Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that would like to wish every Premier League club the very best of luck for the forthcoming season. Except Norwich City, they know why. On today's pod we're looking forward to a brand spanking new and shiny top flight campaign and relishing that golden and fleeting moment right now when optimism is limitless. Before VAR and misfiring strikers and Liverpool supporting journalists darken our souls all over again. Big questions loom. Can Chelsea challenge City at the top? Will Arsenal be relevant in any way, shape or form? Can Spurs for once not be so Spursy? To discuss all this and much more, I'm delighted to be joined today by a guest who's already a title winner in my book. It's Andy Smith. Hi Andy, you well mate? Yeah, good morning Steve. I'm very well yourself. I'm very good, very good. Um, we should say at the top that you're an Evertonian, um, but you've been on before, so I'm guessing a lot of re- listeners will know that. Um, so should we dive straight into all things Everton? Are you are you braced for that? No, not at all, but we can do it if you want, mate. <laughs> we can leave it if you want. <laughs> I mean, there is one subject we have to discuss, and we skirted around it on the last pod you were on. We've, we've, yeah. got, we've got to talk about Rafa. Um, have the fans softened slightly, or are they still? is there still a lot of annoyance at his appointment? I would say they've softened slightly, but by slightly I mean by about 1%. So right. it's... Um, I mean, just before we've actually come on to discuss the post, I've just, pod, um, I've just seen a, an article that the Athletic have done about the optimism of fans for this year. Mm. Uh, and Everton are bottom on 18%. <laughs> and uh, the first comment I actually saw from a fellow Evertonian was, who are these 18%? So I think that gives you a, a general yeah. mood of uh, how people are feeling at the moment. Uh, I mean, me and myself... It was for me. It was a strange appointment. Uh, I don't read too much into Rafa's time in China, for example, because he went over there. Uh, I, I know he lost. I think he lost his first six in a row, and then ended up coming out of a record of winning twelve and losing twelve. Um, but there was a lot going on. Things were changing dramatically in terms of the finances in China at the time, and plus, obviously, we had the um, pandemic start. Um, but prior to that, I think obviously his spell at Newcastle. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think he did a bad job at Newcastle, but I think, you know, obviously he came in at a time when they were struggling and they went down. He stayed with them, brought them back up and obviously had a couple of okay finishes. I think he achieved par, um, for what, uh, I would have expected Newcastle to do. Uh, no better or worse than that. And whilst he does have a, a, a good CV, which means you could perhaps maybe look past his Liverpool connection, uh, it's been a, and those achievements are obviously a, a little while, a, a little while yeah, ago. It's, yeah. it's not as if he's a, you know, there was a, a time where he was dining at the top table of managers in European football. I'd say he's just below that now. Um, myself personally, I'm of the opinion is, is, Whilst he wouldn't have been my choice, um, he he is a very dedicated coach, and he's here now. So I'd get behind him and wish him every success with Everton. But for it's it's a disaster waiting to happen in in my eyes. And you know, if he wins five out of his first six games, things soften a lot, uh, and all things start to be forgiven. Um, only start to be. I think he'll take uh, more than that for, him, for his Liverpool connections to be fully forgiven. But however, if he loses three and draws two of his first six, the atmosphere around the club's going to 
be even worse than it currently is. Yeah, I mean, I I do love the fact, and as a City fan of many years and back in the day when we were shit, I love the fact <laughs> that there's 24 hours before your club kicks off a new Premier League season and you're already using words like disaster waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that brings it back. That really does bring it back. But no, I, I get it, man. I get it. it it's, it's such a conflict of interest for you, it must be. And you, you summed it up by saying he's here now. You know, it's kind of, there's, there's nothing else. I, in the build-up to his appointment, all the protests and all the kind of anti- antagonism, I, I got, I was behind Evertonians. But now that he's here, what can you guys do? You have to just kind of hope for the best, really. And and um, not that I would expect any of you guys to be taken into your heart at this stage. Um, but yeah, if, if, if Everton have a good start, it's amazing in football how quickly things can be forgiven and forgotten, isn't it? And Yeah, as well. I mean, obviously, I, I Liverpool... Uh, um, our lovable rivals across Stanley Park. <laughs> if you know, if if it does turn out to be a disaster, all we're going to hear every single week is Agent Maffers doing the business over yes, there. Yeah. But on on the flip side, which not a lot of us are looking at at the moment, because like I said, the optimism levels aren't particularly high. Is well, you know, if he does do the business and and does it for Everton there's Liverpool fans out there that have got Rafa Benitez tattoos on their chest and their arm from Istanbul so you get to give a bit back so you know got to look at it for a positive positive hopefully he can bring us some success and give us some ammunition to go back at them rather than it um, just be all on us What, what would be what would constitute success for Everton this year I mean looking at it with with the issues with financial fair play it it looks like it's a season where, from a, a board point of view, I think they're hoping to tread water. Um, I can't, you know, we've brought in Andros Townsend on a free transfer. Now, nothing against Andros Townsend. Actually, he he's a player. I mean, as I'm, he's capable of spectacular moments, as you well know, with that goal he scored, <laughs> um, goal of the season a couple of years ago. Um, he's a player who's, you know, he's, he's prepared to. He, he does his bit off the ball as well. He works hard uh, and he's capable of moments of quality. I think he's uh, a good character as well off the pitch. Um, but he's not someone who, you know, you look at, you know, Crystal Palace chose not to renew his contract. So that gives you an idea of the excitement that he brings as a as one of your new signings along with Damari Gray. Um, Damari Gray is someone who, you know, he burst onto the scene with Birmingham City, um, was in and out of the Leicester team, had moments of brilliance, but nowhere near the consistency that you would want. Um, gets his move to Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, and we've managed to, I think, take advantage and get him, you know, £1.6 million pounds is, it's, it's, it, uh, really oh, drop in the ocean yeah, yeah. For, yeah. Uh, and if he can get some consistency because um, he, he has got some unbelievable talent he's um, he can go either side uh, left foot right foot um, although obviously predominantly right foot he's got pace to burn um, very intelligent footballer but he's never shown any consistency so the key to whether he's a success now is if he can find find some of that now he's matured and he's a little bit older under Rafa Benitez at Everton. Yeah, it was so important that you guys strengthened your squad though this, this summer, wasn't it? So at least with those with um, the keeper as well coming in, you've done that. You, you've kind of bolstered the squad. I mean, 
from the outside looking in, you're, you're two or three players short of top six for yeah. me personally, and those two or three players would be you know forty, fifty million pounds a piece. So, um, with financial considerations, and it's not just financial fair play, of course. It's you know, it's over eighteen months now of clubs being in pandemics and and no fans and and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's it's a tricky situation. Um. But for me, you've got the right man in charge. He just has the wrong CV. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll see how you go. I mean, you know, wish you well because Everton and City, we had that little spat in the years ago with Lescott. But since then, we've, we've, <laughs> we've come to realise that, you know, we, we have a common enemy, shall we say? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the questions I've got further down the agenda is kind of who, which club has impressed you most with a transfer business this summer? Um I was just looking at it from, from my end and I, I don't wish to be flippant really when I say this, but Chelsea have done one of the best bits of transfer business this summer with one signing. Um, this week's purchase of Romelu Lukaku for nearly £100 million. Um, for me, they were a fantastic team at the tail end of last season in the second half under Tuchel. They just needed someone to put the ball in the net and now they've got an arch practitioner at, at that. So... How important was it that Chelsea got Lukaku and now that they do have him, can they win the lead, do you think? Yeah, I, mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Lukaku, you know, is kind of like, if you were looking at Chelsea last season, certainly from an attacking point of view, uh, whilst obviously they, they must have done pretty well because they won the Champions League and Tuchel got them from, I think, well, the ninth when they took over into the uh, into the yeah. automatic qualification for the Champions League if they hadn't won it. You, you would say that they were missing someone who who one can continually put the ball in the back of the net, but also link up the play. Um, so I do think it's, I mean, I've seen Lukaku first hand at Everton and I know how devastating he can be. Um, the key to Lukaku is him being up for every single game. And that seemed to, obviously when you're at Everton, the Everton fans could see it, but from an outsider looking in, you've got a player like Lukaku getting you 20 goals a season. You know, what are you moaning about type of thing? But he didn't get away with that when he went to Man United, um, you know, putting in kind of like half the effort for some of the games. So it'd be interesting to see to see how he does at Chelsea from that point of view. Uh, my only concern for Chelsea is, is um, obviously when Tuchel came in, uh, he quite quickly got a tune out of players that weren't performing for him. So people like Rudiger, who hadn't really been in and out of the Chelsea team, hadn't been great. Yeah. Um, he seemed to get Azpilicueta back up to the level that he'd been, but perhaps maybe not shown for the previous 12 to 18 months. Um, I, I mean, even players like Kante, we know are a fantastic player. Um, he's probably had his best form since his first season at Chelsea at the back end of last year. So from a defensive point of view... Um, because they they are rumored. Is it Kunde that they're rumored yeah, to be getting? Yeah, that from, them further. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I think we are for them to be serious title challengers. They're relying on a lot of the defensive players that had a massive upturn in form under Tuchel over the last six seven months, maintaining that. And if they do, they will be a serious threat to Manchester City. But I do think it's a, a big if. Um. For, like I say, people like Rudiger to maintain the, the high level of form that he's shown since Tuchel came on board. Mm. I should say Kunde is um, Sevilla and like I said Valencia then, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I've got a confession to make on a Manchester City podcast, which is that I've put £5 on Chelsea to win the league. I've 
think that they might well do so. I my my personal take is that City will win the league this year, but the odds are, are, are obviously very short. Um, whereas Chelsea, uh, I got five to one, I think. I, I'm wow, gonna, I'm going to take five to one on Chelsea to win the league. So um, yeah, that's where my five has gone this this summer. Uh, I certainly think it's going to be a two horse race. Um, I think it's going to be close between the two. Uh, Chelsea had the, the hex over City at the tail end of last season, most memorably, of course, in the Champions League final. Um, Tuchel very possibly could be the next thorn in Pep's side, like Klopp was. Uh, that's a concern for me. Um, so moving our attentions to City then, um, Jack Grealish, what, what's your thoughts? From the outside looking in, is he a player that City needed? Um, how do you just feel about the, the transfer as a whole and from the player's perspective too? Yeah, I mean, Jack, Jack Grealish is a player I've admired for a long, long time. Uh, when Aston Villa went down, I was really hoping Everton would move for him. I thought it was a kind of he's the kind of player that you could build a team around. I think he's he's that good at what he does. Yeah. Um it's if you look at his statistics for goals and assists, they're maybe not as flattering on paper as they should be for a player of his quality. But they only they're only uh, an indicator. They don't they don't tell you everything that you need to know about a player. Um and I I, I definitely think he's of a level to play for a team like Manchester City. Um, whether Manchester City need him or not is another question. Um, a player of that class, yes, of course, any team will benefit from having him in there. But it's when you look at the Manchester City's options, kind of, obviously, you've got your back four and then unless it's a Champions League final, he's going to play one of Fernandinho or Rodri. Um, and then you're looking at the players that are going to go in front of that. You've got your Kevin De Bruyne. So there's um, seven players picked. So then you're looking who are the next four going to be. And the list that Manchester City have to pick from is astounding. Foden, Grealish, Mares, Sterling, uh, Ferran Torres, uh, Gabriel Jesus, uh Harry Kane, possibly. <laughs> so, um, I, so like I say, I mean, uh, uh, Gundogan as well, um, is, you know, to fit one of those positions. So, it, it, the uh, the options that Pep's got are absolutely incredible. So, I do think he's a, a fantastic player and an excellent signing. Um, whether he would to be the, the most important signing for City this summer will be a you know replacing Aguero who they probably I know he's left in the summer but they've kind of you know needed to do for the last two or three years yeah I, I think so I mean we've because Gabby Jesus is complicated matters really where to an extent he's the centre forward but he's not he's not an out and out centre forward you know he plays better coming in off the left wing um, so for the last couple of years we thought okay well we've got Sergio Aguero in our eyes, you know, one of the top three Premier League strikers in Premier League history. And we've got Gabby Jesus, who's the perfect standing. But then suddenly Gabby stopped scoring and started wasting a lot of chances. And it became quite clear to us that he plays better in a wider role. Um, and obviously, with Sergio's injury last season, we were just deprived of having a centre forward. <laughs> yeah. Which led to the, the unique and bizarre situation of a team running away the league without a centre forward. Which <laughs> yeah has never been done before. So that had to be addressed and has to be addressed. And, and you know, that's where Harry Kane comes in. As for Grealish, you look at De Bruyne being out injured right now and Phil Foden being out injured. Of course, you know, they're not going to be injured for the, for the long term. 
and and we will have a stage where we have all these players available. <coughs> but over the course of a long season, over four competitions, um, I'm not suggesting for one second that we needed Jack Grealish, but I do believe that he'll play more of a pivotal role than perhaps people anticipate. Uh, and of course, he's 24, and you know a lot of the other players are in the late 20s, Gundo, etc. So, yeah. Oh, he's certainly a, a wonderful uh, headache to have. Oh, God, yes. uh, are you yeah. going to be leaving now? And if he and Kevin De Bruyne can strike up like a good working relationship, I mean, for the players that are going to be playing in front of those two, I mean, yeah, you must be so excited that well, the opportunity. I mean, definitely with De Bruyne because you've got that lovely narrative of Grealish loving um, De Bruyne and saying what a huge fan he is. And it, you know, when he was at Villa, he used to just wax lyrical about Kev. So you've got that, of course, but. You know, he calls uh, Phil Foden little Phil. You know, he's like, <laughs> and he says he's like a little brother to him. So just seeing those two together as well would just be an absolute joy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay, well, let's look at some of the other kind of contenders, certainly for the top four. Um, Liverpool, um, Canate, they brought in, really, from what I've heard and seen bits of, he's a very imposing, physical, very good defender, uh, very much in the Van Dyke mould. Um how much of that is Liverpool journalist, you know? <laughs> I know. It might well be, though, mightn't it? But certainly he looks to be a quality signing for them. Um, are you surprised Liverpool didn't, or haven't to this date, brought in a, a replacement for Wijnaldum or, you know, look for someone in a more offensive position? Um, not especially, because no, it's just it's, it's the, the model that FSG, who run Liverpool, have. Yeah. Um, and obviously with... They'd like to think, obviously, Van Dijk's back to full fitness. Uh, Gomez is also there to Canate. So then it allows Fabinho and Henderson just to concentrate on their jobs in, in the middle of the park rather than filling in at, at, at centre-half. Yeah. Um, I would have... Th- I would have thought, I you know, from a, a Liverpool fan point of view, uh, that they would have wanted a, another option um, up top. But, um, like I say, it's the, the the FSG model is um, do the do the minimum and trust Jurgen to rally the troops and yeah. and get them playing the football that they want. Um, I do think they'll be much closer than they were last season uh, with players back. But it'd be interesting to see. What Virgil Van Dyke's like? Um, I know, obviously, with uh, the modern the modern treatments that we have in terms of being able to operate and fix the injury that he had, but it, you know, it's still it, it's a very serious injury that he's coming back from at twenty nine, thirty years old. So, it, you know, there's every chance. Yes, he can get back to the level that he was. But there's still question marks whether he will be the same player because, you know, we, we've seen it many times before with top players who have an injury of a, a similar ilk to what Van Dijk has suffered. Has and he's he, never been the same again. I know, I completely agree. I mean, is he kind of, would you say he's a pacey player? He's, he's, he's quite, it's hard to read with Van Dijk because of his kind of long striding run. Would you say he was kind of a player who relied on pace? I mean, I I'm, I'm genuinely don't know, to be honest. Uh, I think he, for me, he's always a player. I thought he's he's not that he's lightning quick, but he gets top speed very quick. His yeah. acceleration is very good, so he can go from nothing. You know, those first few yards um, is one of the reasons why he's very good because if you've got the ability to read the game that he does, plus being very very quick over the first mm. few yards, um, 
a, a big factors for a centre half. So, um, like I say, it'd be interesting to see whether he still has that explosiveness um, over those first few years yeah. when, when he comes back. Well, that, that's my kind of take on it as well, because he, he is an exceptional kind of reader of the game. Um, and one thing I'll, I'll always give him credit for, he is the best, possibly the best defender I've seen in the Premier League at kind of near post reading of danger. Um, the yeah. amount of crosses he cuts out at that near post is just phenomenal. Um, but so that, that that's not going to change, you know, regardless of, of coming back from injury. But yeah, that 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 first ten yards, if that is impacted, then he will be a different player. He will be a weaker player. Yeah, uh, and it's it's a it, you know, it, I mean, Liverpool have put up a video of him doing you know the next stage of his rehab every three days. So we can see that he's definitely been working hard and yeah. got himself, you, you know, he's done everything that he can to make sure he comes back um, in top shape. But it's, you know, like I say, there's been many people before him that have had similar injuries at that stage of their career that have never quite got back um, uh, to the level they were. What's going to happen to the the murder charge now with Pickford? Never, you know, kind of died, <laughs> come back from the dead. It's, um, I'm, I'm assuming they must have to drop it. And no, it's just been downgraded to manslaughter. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, I still think we're waiting sentencing for that. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it has got better. I'm only seeing three articles a day about it rather than five now. So you know, we're going in the right direction. There, I, so. I've got to say, there are positives for them, but obviously, it was Van Dijk and Gomez returning. But it's it could well be a big factor that um, Mane and Salah have had the summer off, um, so they're going to come back refreshed. For me, no, I don't think played every minute in Copa America, um, so he won't be you know too knackered as it were. So yeah. their front three, they could get one more good season out of those front three, and if they do, then they're going to be a threat and they're going to challenge. But I, I'm with you. I think they're going to be closer to City than last year. I don't see them as genuine title contenders. For me, it's City or Chelsea with Liverpool and United kind of scrapping out for third and fourth. Um, would you disagree with that or go along with that? Yeah, I, I'm, the, the only thing, I mean, you, you know, my feelings towards Liverpool, I don't really like saying anything positive about them. Um, but I thought I actually thought Salah had a good season last season. Uh, yeah, he did. He did. Manny had dropped off the boil. I mean, if they get Mane backfiring, I mean, obviously Jota started like a train before he had a bad injury. Um, I mean, there's a lot of ifs, buts and maybes, like I say, with Van Dijk and, um, you know, getting Mane back to the top level. I mean, if they're lucky with injuries, then I think they, you know, they could be still in the hunt with a few games to go. Um, but, you know, like I say, if they don't quite, if they don't get Manny back to the level that he was, uh, if Van Dijk or Gomez don't quite recover or don't form a good partnership with either themselves or Canati again, then I think, yeah, I think what you've said will be absolutely spot on. Well, enough of Liverpool. It always feels makes me feel a little bit yuck talking about it. Yeah. Um, let, yeah. Let's talk about a much more likeable club, um, Manchester United. <laughs> um, I've got to say... Uh, in the same regard as yourself, being positive about Liverpool, you know, it's very reluctant of me to be kind of complimentary about United, but they've done some good business this summer, it has to be said. They've bought the two players that they needed, not just in terms of the position that they are, but the profile of that player, the, the quality of that player. Um, 
Varane and Sancho for me are excellent signings. They're still short in midfield though. Um, what, what's your kind of take on United? Yeah, I mean, um, I think I, I think Cavani will still go well this year. Uh, so I think you know, I think Man United only really started in using him right towards the probably like the latter second half of last season. Mm. Um, so I think having him kind of at a at a good level from the start of the season will be a big boost for them. And Sanjo's clearly a, a very talented quality footballer. Um with the with the money that they've paid for him in the position that he'll be playing, I think there's a lot of, you know, if he doesn't get 25, 30 goal assists, uh a, a combination of the two, you know, people in the media will be coming after him for sim- purely and simply because of the money that they paid for him. Mm. Um I'll probably get absolutely hammered for this, but I don't think Varane is as good as people make out. I don't think he's kicked on as well as people perhaps maybe thought, in certainly my opinion, in, in no, the last I've couple of years that. from yeah. what, what, what he was uh, when he first came on the scene. Um, I've, you know, I've, he, he's looked... I mean, I don't know whether it's because a lot of the times where I saw him recently, he was he was having to become the senior centre-half because Ramos was injured uh, and that's a reason why he wasn't performing to the, the levels that you know we used to see him from him and we're obviously going next to someone like Harry Maguire where Harry will you know will be the senior centre-half will help him rediscover his top form but I don't think it's nailed on that he's going to come in and be a top centre-half I think he needs to rediscover his form that he's not had for the last two years mm. which of course he's more than capable of because we know the talent that he's got in there um, but I would question his form over the last couple of years well that music to my ears and I, I kind of I do buy into that to be honest I'm, I'm with you on that um, only in regards to he looks so phenomenal when he broke through um, yeah and so he hasn't kind of you know continued that elevation but yeah there is a, a top class defender in there and if he does kind of you know, form a decent partnership with Maguire then United's going to be all the stronger for it. We yeah. haven't mentioned Arsenal, Spurs or Leicester. If we're if you're looking ahead to your kind of top four predictions, do any of those three clubs make it in your top four? No, uh, that's is the short answer. <laughs> um, obviously, I, I mean, I think Leicester again have recruited well. In turn, uh, I like Samaria. They bought um, oh, yeah. over from France. I think he's ex- he's he's an excellent midfielder. But where he fits into that team when you've got Ndidi and Tillmans in there is it another question entirely uh, I know they brought Vestergaard in from Southampton but he's a very different defender to Fafana who every time I see him just gets better and better so it's it's a blow that they've lost him with a broken leg for a little while um, Daka who they brought in I've not seen loads of him but I've read quite a lot about him and I know people are very very excited about what he can bring Um, so I do think Leicester will have a a very good season but I don't see them uh, displacing Arsenal the City uh, sorry um, any of City United Chelsea or Liverpool yeah Um, I think I I know Arsenal are getting a lot of stick for the amount of money that they spent on Ben White Um, but Ben White is a very good young English centre-half who plays on he, he he uses the football well. He's a very Arsenal type player, and you know, fifty million is the going rate that you have to pay these yeah. days for them. Yeah. Um, so, I, whilst I, I, I don't think he's 
at the level where he's a world-class defender, I certainly think he's got the potential to be. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see if they have a, a, a settled back four. Um, obviously, you've got Kieran Tierney. Uh, they bought Gabriel. Um, what, is it Gabriel? Or yeah, that's it. Made that up, yeah. They've got a backup left back. I can't call what his name now. But I think Tavares, yeah. Yes, yes so they've, yeah, they've got depth there now at left back, which they never used to have. Um, so, and obviously, you know, if they could get us a, a solid back four and a base, and um, they brought in, I can't remember his name, uh, a young Belgian lad from Andelect as well earlier in the window, who Vincent Company absolutely raves about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think Arsenal have a slightly better season than some people are predicting, but I don't think they'll, they'll break the top four. And uh, Tottenham, <laughs> I've no idea what's going on down at no, Tottenham. No. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of hope and responsibility on players to kick on again this season. So, like, young Joe Rodon, who obviously you, you'll know a lot about from yeah. following Wales, um, I think he's a very good young centre-half. But he's going to have more responsibility and going to have to kick on more this year with um, Alderweireld going. Um, and yeah, I mean, if Harry Kane does go to Manchester City, which I'm personally of the belief I think will happen um, later later on in the window, um, I, I I just don't know the direction that they're taking Tottenham in at the moment. I mean, to sack a manager like Mourinho a week before the League Cup final to get out of paying him an extra few million quid in his contract to then not have, you know, to then not have someone lined up and then end up pointing like your 17th choice manager in Nuno Espirito Santo. It just, yeah, I mean, they're almost making Everton look like a well-won football club. But only only almost. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that, that kind of, it really brings it home to me how, you know, like I said earlier about a few decent results for Everton and, you know, I'm not suggesting there'll be any hypocrisy, but Everton fans then will back Benitez to an extent um, because that's how, that's how we are as football fans. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've seen the same with Spurs. I mean, when, when they got Santo, every one of them was just up in arms saying, oh my God, this is another Mourinho. Um, it's going to be negative football. And the amount of articles I've seen re- recently from Tottenham supporting journalists saying, oh, no, 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 in Portugal, he played quite an attacking setup, and, and that's <laughs> what he'll do here. And, and it, all the Spurs fans are oh, really? Um, I just love us. I love football fans. I love how what we're like, and partic- <laughs> particularly this time of season. And that's what it's all about this time of season. Anything can happen, you know? It's Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can come back and listen to this podcast in six months and look like bigger yeah, yeah. idiots than we normally yeah, do, Steve. Absolutely. So absolutely. Well, look at last season with Spurs losing at home to Everton on the opening day of the season. And they were yeah. woeful as well. Um, oh, yeah. And then they were brilliant. And then, what, three months later... I was writing yeah. out, I was being asked to write, write one article a week about how Spurs are going to win the league that year and, and all the rest of it. So, and then of course, you know, the, the opposite applied. Um, right. Well, what about down, down south then as regards to the league table, relocation trapdoor? Um, obviously the three promoted clubs are the ones you look at. Um, I had to write an article this, this week and I put some stats together and they're pretty, pretty grim to be honest. The last 10 years, the average Points haul by a promoted side is 37. Um, 20 out of the 30 clubs have basically been involved in relegation, dogfights for the whole duration of the season. Um, So there's a two out of three chance that it's going to happen again. You look at Norwich and 
you hope that lessons have been learned from two years ago. You look at Brentford, whose managers said this week, you know, we're going to attack the Premier League. Good on you, mate. But oh my God, <laughs> history does not, you know, it does not bode well for you. Um, Watford, I actually believe that they are in quite a good shape, but they've got owners who will just sack their manager if they lose two on the, on the bounce. So those three are obviously a consideration. Do, do you see anyone else? Do you see any surprises, kind of any surprise strugglers this year? I, I don't, I wouldn't say necessarily a surprise when I mean, you've got to worry for Southampton. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they would have been right in trouble last season if they hadn't have had that um, brilliant start. I mean, were they top in November or certainly yes. Um, yes. up there? And then the disastrous form, I mean, losing, they've, they've lost Danny Ings, Ryan Bertrand, obviously an experienced uh, international level defender. Um, who else? They sold Vestergaard, and I'm sure they yeah. lost somebody else. Well, Ward Prowse is being rumoured, and, and that's not going away, that Ward Prowse rumour that he could be off. So um, Yeah, um, Villa and Tottenham interested in him. So you've got to worry about them. You've got to worry about Newcastle because they never seem to be, obviously... Hmm. The fans don't seem to be happy with Steve Bruce, no matter what he does. Um, you know, finishing a comfortable tenth, twelfth, which is with the investment that going into Newcastle, you've got to say is is a good is a good enough achievement because there's not a lot of spending going on no. there from Mike Ashley. Uh, so you've got to worry about them. Um, I, I am really interested to see how Brentford go because um, I remember when they do play. You know, the, the first real money ball team yeah. that's come up. I mean, I know obviously m- most clubs adopt a little bit of that model now, but they're fully invested in it and have been for a long time. Um, and when Blackpool came up a few years ago under Ian Holloway, they played a very different way, a, a lot more direct than what Brentford will play. But still, they kind of they took the Premier League by storm for the first six months. Yeah. People weren't used to the way that they played, that they used to hit these big long diagonals from left to right and then kind of like win the balls at like a, a kind of a, a twist on the crazy gang from back in the day for any of our older listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just Brentford do things quite differently as well, and obviously a different style, but so it'd be interesting to see how they go. I think if they could get a like a, a fast start. And surprise a few teams before people kind of work them out. I think you know that could go a long way. Um, I I, th- I think I think thirty five points might keep you up this year because I think mm. there's so many teams that all take points from each other and drop points. And I think you know the top six or seven teams will will will, will be quite a big gap from them to the rest. Yeah, I wouldn't be remotely surprised if that's the case. Uh, with regards to Brentford, I mean, we rely so heavily on Ivan <laughs> Tony. Um, I, I can't remember what it was. Like fifty-two percent, it might have been fifty-four percent of their goals were, were from him last year. Um, so take him out of the equation. If you know, you <laughs> say about kind of opponents figuring them out. Um, we do have you know a, a nice fluid midfield. I'll give them that, and they've got a yeah. lot of kind of. Uh, they attack down down the flanks and all the rest of it. So you know, but they're certainly not kind of a, an ABC side. But for me, it is about <coughs> curtailing Ivan Tony. If if you're playing Brentford and you keep him quiet, then you're going to keep Brentford quiet. Yeah, but then the recruitment team will just click the fingers and go and buy someone <laughs> for three three million quid from French League Two. Yeah. They'll come in and do it. You know, they've 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 got a model where they've they. You know they lost Ollie Watkins and Saeed Ben Rama last year. Yeah, 
they've invested a fraction of what they received in the income and they've still come up. And then the year before, they I can't remember who it was who they lost. But, you know, the, the model that they've got is certainly working really well for them. So, yeah, I completely get what you're saying about Ivan Tony, but it genuinely wouldn't su- surprise me if they buy someone between now and the end of the window as backup who turns out to be a bit of a... A bit of a wonder signing come the end of the season. Yeah, and look out as well for a new midfielder. They've got Frank Onyeka from... Yes. And I can never pronounce the, the, the name of... I used to call it Midgetland. Um, <laughs> but from yeah. from Denmark, because um, the club are very, very pleased we've got him. Um, yeah. So given their money ball credentials, the fact that it's kind of coming out from the club that they're really impressed with this lad suggests that he is going to be a star. So... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Ayer gets on as well coming down. Obviously, yes. done very well at yeah. Celtic. Uh, interested to see how he goes alongside Pontus Janssen. So, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, just wrap up with kind of how you feel about fans returning. Um, for me, uh, we've discussed this on on a recent pod actually. Okay, watching it at home, it's better with fans. The noise, the atmosphere, it's better. But when you go to the game, it's the game itself, of course, you know, I can't wait to see City again. But, oh, I've missed the routine. I've missed the, yeah. the travel. I've missed the pints. I've missed the, the, the chat about absolute shit. Uh, I've missed the slagging on a player who you actually love, but, you know, <laughs> you're just annoyed that he's played badly for 90 minutes on the way home. Um, how do you feel yourself about football, you know, fans returning? Oh, mate, everything you've just said, uh, I'm I'm going to Goodison tomorrow. Yeah. And, you know, my day, I live in Chorley, so about 45 minutes away, but we have a, a coach that's going to be put on. So my mate's coming picking me up at 11. We're going to drive to drive to the pub near his. The yeah. coach will then come past there at about quarter to one after we've had a couple of pints on there. Oh, I love it. Get to Goodison, taxi club, couple of pints, ground pint, and then get to the seat ready for Z cars. And uh, someone said like the other day, what's the thing you're looking forward to most? And there's a, I'm sure they have it at, at all clubs, but like whenever and go on the attack, you sat in the lower Gladys. Yeah. And you just, when we, the first time we get that promising attack and you hear like the slight scuffle of feet first and the inhale <laughs> of breath. And then as everyone stands up, all the seats clattering back on themselves. Honestly, mate, that sound in my head when I think about it gives me goosebumps. And that, you know, this, this is going to be my first time in Goodison since Boxing Day 2019, which was Carlo Ancelotti's first God. game in charge. So, yeah. uh, like, I mean, yeah, I'm, so it's just, you know, just to, I mean, the football will probably ruin it for me, but everything else, <laughs> everything else around it, uh, yeah, I can't wait for it. Yeah, the, ce- the celebration of a goal. I mean, it, you, you can't replicate it at home. You know, if, if I'm lying on, on the sofa and, and City score and I've got the, got the phone on the chest because I've just been on Twitter, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not the same. It's I can't wait for the, to celebrate that first goal. Um, oh, God, yes. Well, enjoy tomorrow, man. And, and Thank you very much. Yeah, let's hope you get the three points. Um, and thanks very much for joining me today. Absolute pleasure, Steve. And thanks for everyone for listening in. Um, that's a wrap for today. We're off to try and figure out if Leicester are a top six club now, who makes way for them? Answers on a postcard to take your pick, North London. In the meantime, take care, everyone, and forever up the blues. <laughs>